Hello and welcome to Extraordinary with me, James Wallace, a podcast that shines a light on ordinary people who have gone on to do and see extraordinary things. This week, I'm speaking to the amazing ER Booker, a model, fitness fanatic and reality TV star who walks me through his career to date with all the trials and tribulations that comes with it. Eyal is one of the nicest guys you can meet and I'm so honoured he took the time out to chat to me about his life. If you enjoy this episode, please give me a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can leave me a review too on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. Enjoy the show. Eyal Booker, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Hello, um, I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good, thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, you look very good. Uh, you are so tanned, yeah. you're like a mulberry handbag kind Someone of colour. Someone had to do it, didn't they? So I managed to get myself away. Now currently like a good, good um, citizen. Um, we'll jump straight in because I literally have so many questions to ask you. I've got a couple of pages of questions. Probably won't get through all of them, but you are an incredibly interesting character. This podcast is all about ordinary people who have done extraordinary things. Um, You are the exact epitome of someone who has done just that. You've got such a colourful career and so much going on for yourself. Uh, I've known you for... A very long time. (laughs) A very long time. In fact, recently, I was going... (laughs) You'll appreciate this, and it makes me sound incredibly cringe. I went through... um, my year six autograph book and no, you you all three of you have like written in it being like oh, bye james we'll miss you like and it's really cute and you you've got like your little you you were in year two so you yeah, were six I, I was like i i'm dyslexic but i was like severely dyslexic <laughs> i can only imagine what i wrote and i'm sure it wasn't very readable but hey ho that's a nice memory I know we've known each other. I I remember most when you used to take us to school. And yeah. it was the best thing ever because you had just started driving and it was like the coolest thing in the world. And we would all kind of fight over where we were going to sit in your car. Ari obviously always pretty much got the front seat and it wasn't up for debate. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was. Yeah. And you, and you were always late. Yeah, well, not, not much has changed for that one, I don't think. <laughs> anyway, listen, so uh, for those who have been living under a rock for three years, how would you describe who you are and what you do? Oh, um, that question. Um, I would describe who I am as, you know, a human being and a person that has taken each and every opportunity that presented itself to me and run with it until it either developed into something or didn't. Um, What I do is um, I try and be myself in everything that I do, but what I do, I guess, is a mixture of TV, um, but I got into TV through modeling. I was once in a pop band, although I don't really classify myself as a singer, Um, but I'll give it a good try. And I do social media and brand stuff and just try and kind of be a creative in the 21st century, delving into different parts of the entertainment industry. And Beautiful. Fitness. And fitness. I love fitness. So fitness is um, Yeah. And we're going to come on to so many of those aspects in uh, throughout the podcast. But it's really interesting because I do, when someone, if, if I was asked to describe 
you, I would obviously you're multi hyphenated, like you've got fingers in lots of pies. You are a creator. You're extremely creative as well. But you also are someone who, from from an from an outsider's perspective, you are someone who just tries really, really hard at lots of things. And I think that's so important because you're happy to give it a go in public at oh. the scrutiny of loads of people. You know, like I I I truly believe passion is is what drives everything, and I think. From a young age, I've just been a passionate person. And I think, you know, people probably don't see it, they don't know it. But, you know, I don't think I was never really good at anything in particular. I was never overly academic. You know, I was decent at sports, but I wasn't the best sportsman. I wasn't, um, I didn't excel at anything. But what I learned is that in order to, try and be on the same level in the pe- as the people that were gifted at specific things. I, you know, I had to, I've got to try and I've got to try really hard. And that luckily is something that has stayed with me into my adult life. And, you know, I love passion and I'm, I'm a trier and I love trying and people might, you know, people cringe at it sometimes, but I think it's um, a really powerful thing to be able to try. Yeah. And and it's so inspiring because I think people look to you as someone who gives it a go. And it's and it's important for all of us to have role models and people out there who are giving things a go. And someone's got to be good at it. I mean, I was never good at anything and it didn't even I mean, I was so below par when it came to sport. Um, <laughs> but I think the one thing with you is that you've always had like a charisma. And I think there's something in that around personality can carry you forward. You don't actually have to be good at anything. I referenced Steve Bartlett, CEO of Social Chain, yeah. and he talks about, you know, habits, that um, skill stacking. You know, you can be average at lots and lots of different things, but put that average all together and you become excellent at something. Um, 100%, you know, I think one thing is if you don't try, you'll never know. And I am super scared of not ever knowing. Um, and that for me is ultimately what drives me day in, day out. And also I've had my parents, uh, you know, I'm grateful for them and they've been incredible role models in instilling values in me that allow me to have self-belief. Mm. Also, I think, you know, my mum has always said something and it goes something along the lines of this is that, you know, we all have a bag of tricks and we all hold this bag and you don't know what's in my bag and I don't know what's in your bag. But as long as I'm pulling that trick out and I'm performing it to the best of my ability and properly, nobody's going to question it. And ultimately, you know, we're all winging life. Like we, we are to an extent and we're all just trying to do the best that we can do that day. And that, and that is what I try and do. Absolutely. And that speaks volumes in your career to date as well. So let's go all the way back to, to like childhood, where, where I first met you. I was your wet play monitor. You were six. I was like 10. Um, how would you describe that school experience if you can even remember it? Like what were your kind of childhood memories and your like sense of identity? Um, I was always the youngest of my my brothers, you know, and I was always like, I guess the cute little brother and I used to look up to my brothers and 
and want to be friends with their friends. And I used to fancy the girls that they were friends with. And I think um, I used to love girls like that. He's just trying to (laughs) be friends or think that they fancied me. I don't know what was wrong with me. Um, But I struggled a lot. And I don't think, um, you know, I, I, I am dyslexic. I was dyslexic. I don't let it define me and I don't like to be defined by it but back then when I was growing up dyslexia wasn't um, such an understood thing I remember that I used to struggle in class a lot and have a lot of um, self-doubt and um, lack of confidence because other kids around me would be able to read and write and grasp things and do basic maths and you know I was there trying but not getting anywhere and teachers were also not so um, understanding of it. So they would kind of force things on me in a way that I didn't understand. And so it actually created, um, at a young age, quite a few issues for me. I was then disruptive at home and I would like try and run away from home and I would cause issues at home. And then luckily, as um, it started to become more of an issue, you know, I went to a centre to get tested. Um, I had speech therapy because I suffered from a really bad stammer because um, I believe it's because I was left-handed and I was tried and to be taught how to write write with my right hand at school. And that caused, you know, and I had all these things going on, but I knew I was like, I knew I wasn't, I knew I was like everyone else. And so um, it was a challenging start. I then went to a dyslexic school from, I think, for a year, um, I think from year year three to year four, year four to year five. And that really, really helped me. It allowed me to learn how to learn in a different way and realise that, you know, there was nothing wrong with me. I then left that um, and went back into normal state school. And from there, I kind of came into my own a little bit. I realised that... um, being academic and book smart in class wasn't everything and that I, I had other things to offer. Was it at that point where you kind of re-entered, I guess, for one of the better terms, mainstream education that you developed a new sense of confidence? Because I kind of get, we can come on to in a sec, but from what I've heard, you went on to go to Sylvia Young Theatre School. So in yeah. my head, like you've gone from this, you know, disruptive kid that was struggling academically to going to a dyslexic school, coming back into mainstream and then actually becoming even more confident than, than before? I almost, I went into mainstream school, you know, you went into secondary school at JFS. Um, I was friendly. I was a nice person. I, I held on to and created friendships easily and that boosted my confidence. It made me, I guess I was somewhat popular outside of the academic classroom, which, um, kind of filled the void in maybe not being so smart I then um I went to Sylvia's very part-time and literally it was more when I first joined the band but I I had this like I guess burning desire without even realizing it to do something outside of what people around me were doing and so I remember it so clearly I had just finished my GCSEs 
I think it was summer holidays before going to sixth form. And bear in mind, I had to really scrape the barrel to get into JFS sixth form because they were not, they were not having me. But my mum, being the mum that she is, made sure that oh, they were going to have me if, if that's what we wanted. Um, but I then got a message on Facebook being like, hey, we really like the look of you. I was one of those people who had, I guess, a lot of Facebook friends. I used to accept everyone and it was a bit of a competition back then, it seemed. Yeah. yeah. Um, however simple it seems now. Um, and I got a random message being like, hey, we really like the look of you. We just started this band, but a member's left. We would love you to come in for an audition. And I kind of like, it caused me anxiety from the second of that message because I wanted to do it, you know, Every, or not every, a lot of young kids' dream is to be a little pop star. Why Why the fuck not, you know? like Oh, it was certainly my dream. Exactly. And it was mine without even realising it, because I would have never admitted it until somebody gave me that opportunity. And I remember, like, showing my mum and we kind of vetted the message and then made them email properly to make sure that someone wasn't trying to groom me and all of this stuff. <laughs> I ended up going into the Sylvia Young Theatre School for an audition. And I basically walked in and I was like, look, I, I don't really know why I'm here or what I'm doing because I'm not a singer. I've never really sung. Like, I've done maybe an acting class or two, and but let's go for it. They put me next to a piano. Um, I was no James Arthur or anything like that, but I could hold a tune. And from that point on, I guess, ultimately and truthfully, um, they they liked the look of me more than the sound that came out of me, but they were willing to work with it. And that started my journey, leaving school at 16, um, into a pop group that I was signed to for three and a half years. Um, and we had, in our own right, some, I call it small-time success, because we we did things, you know, there were some really impressive things at the calibre that we were performing that we did. Um, we worked really hard. There were fundamental issues throughout the whole process, but ultimately we were all very invested and very excited. And I, I guess I always wanted to be something more than what I looked like. And then that lead, this will lead on to a conversation further, but yeah, we modeled as kids, as brothers, you know, and, um, People used to tell me I look good in this stuff, but there was and always has been a person inside of me far beyond what I look like. Mm. And I've always wanted to project that and showcase that. And and the band gave me an opportunity to do that. To be something more than your looks, to, to yeah. for someone to see foot past the, the, the still image or the, or the magazine sheet that you were on. For sure. Um, and that has always been extremely important to me and then I left the band um or we went our separate ways it was long overdue and I got back into modeling um but again modeling didn't come easy for me I'm not your average height model um and yes I look good but within the fashion editorial and commercial world you know you have to fit into sample sites and I didn't but Instagram was on the rise um I was getting people, you know, messaging me about that and stuff. And I started to test with photographers. I knocked on every agency's door in London and they pretty much all were like, mm, no, you're not right for us. You're not the right height or your chest isn't big enough or your, your waist is too small. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to keep on going. And 
I was, I've always loved fitness. So I was training and working out and that comes from my dad. And I continued to shoot with photographers that would message me and be like, oh, I like your look. And I would shoot with photographers and I was, ta- and I was tagging the brand on Instagram and I was doing fitness stuff. And then I came across this fitness hybrid model agency that did a mixture of fitness and fashion work. And I emailed them, I went to meet them. And after about a year of trying to get signed, they t- they took me on and it was like it was a huge breakthrough because everyone told me that you know yeah we like the look of you but you're just you're not right and from there I then started to work with some credible brands I remember one of my first jobs being Adidas and again I didn't fit into the clothes properly and I was super nervous because like I knew I wasn't particularly tall enough and I said I was a size nine which I was growing into at that point and I knew they were going to put me in a medium t-shirt and at that point I was actually a size small so I was worried that it was all going to be baggy but I did the job and I did it well and from there it kind of started a snowball effect And then I got approached by a fashion, um, a boutique fashion uh, modeling agency, started to do some editorial work. And then I think the real turning point for me was that I then built up a portfolio. I was working with different brands. I was working part time in property management with my mum and trying to make it as as a model. And I had a part time job at Green and Co estate agents. on the weekend showing people flats that I had no idea about um, and <laughs> and getting a modeling job once or twice a month or a week. Um, and I built up my portfolio and then I emailed again uh, around the bigger agencies. And at that point I had grown a bit of an Instagram following. I'd say I had like 30 or 40,000 followers. And at that point, Instagram and influencing was still um, at its infant stages. So I emailed agencies. I went in for a meeting at Storm and they basically said, come in. We want to potentially talk about putting you on our influencer board. I went in and they said, um, no, you're, you're not right, whatever. And I left. I walked out and I was walking down the King's Road and this guy was looking at me and I looked at him and I was like, kind of like, what the fuck are you looking at kind of thing and I kept on walking and I noticed he was still looking at me so I kind of stopped and he walked up to me and lo and behold he was the owner of Nev's modeling agency which was a modeling agency that I emailed three years prior that I'm pretty sure I went in to see and that turned me down and he said hey I own Nev's and what are you doing here and I was like I just had a meeting at Storm not saying that they just turned me down but I was like trying to you know hustle hustle and play a game and yeah. like, oh that's cool like why don't you come into nevs and meet the team i really like the look of you and inside i was freaking out and i was like yeah uh, all right sounds good and went in there met the team they didn't remember me from the previous years i didn't say a word that i had ever emailed them nothing and they offered to sign me to their books and and from there, it really kick-started my modelling career and I was able to have a big agency behind me who was pushing me, who believed in me, even though I wasn't the right stats that you typically would see in a guy. And I ended up, you know, travelling around the world shooting for amazing brands with some, you know, super high-profile models and living in Cape Town for modelling and, and, and things like that. And... I truly believe partly part of it was because of my determination of not giving up and knowing that this is what I wanted to do. I know that I can work in front of a camera and I know that 
I'm good. You know, modeling, yes, you have to look good, but you also, mm-hmm. have to, you know, it, it is a hard job. It's not as simple as people like to think it is. Um, not all the time anyway. And so <laughs> it gave me um, a sense of achievement and credibility that, okay, I was doing something right. Yeah, there's so much in there, you know, never take anyone's opinion as gospel. I think people love to give their opinions, you know, the rejections and stuff. I remember being told uh, not too long ago that I should go on a writing course because I don't construct my emails properly. But like, I've got a first class degree in politics. It's like, you know, people people are, are welcome to their opinions. It's up to us as individuals whether or not to absorb it. And it's up to us what we do with it. And I think you take getting rejections and then walking down the King's Road, you know, I don't. I, I know you're into your spirituality. I certainly am as well. And I think it was meant to be that you crossed paths with the owner of the agency. And you know, it's it comes down, and I truly believe it, to a manifestation. And everything up until this point and moment in my life, um, I believe I have manifested. There was nothing that put me in a better stead to achieve it than the guy that was, you know, six foot one and and the right measurement standing next to me that I looked at and I was like, fuck me, you're good looking. And like, you fit the bill, like you are that. um, But I manifested it, but manifestation doesn't just happen if I sit in this chair and think, you know, it takes action and it takes determination and hard work, I believe, in order to you know, get the wheels of motion, but never doubt your ability. And yeah. and that is truly, you know, I knew the odds were stacked against me, but I believed in myself. And therefore, I guess the rooms that I walked into, you know, you emit that kind of energy. I think people look past the faults that we see in ourselves a lot of the time when we believe in ourselves. And it's not necessarily coming from a place of ego or overconfidence but it's just that self-assurance that you know I'm here and I'm here to do something and either you're going to like it or you're not. Just to pick you up on one thing because you had gone from being I guess a child model if that's a term Mm -hmm. to wanting to be known for something more than your looks you then went into a band and then you went back into modeling so mentally what kind of state were you in there because I guess listening to what you were saying you were like oh I, I'm, I'm doing something I didn't actually want to do. No, I love modeling and it's a passion of mine and part of the reason it's a passion of mine is because I get to create and bring something to life you know when you see something a t-shirt for instance and then mm. you and then you bring that piece of clothing or that t-shirt to life in the environment that it's in and in the way that you're wearing it and holding it. And also modeling made it so that I met an enormous amount of people from all different walks of life, from all different industries, all coming together. Um, And I loved that side of it. I loved meeting people and modeling was my way in to maybe not show people who I was that was seeing the campaign image, but to show everyone around it and behind the scenes and everyone that I met that, okay, yes, I'm a model, but I'm also me as this person. And that, for that, Mm. at that point was my power. And I also believe that trust the process and see where it leads me. I worked hard at it to not just let it go because I didn't necessarily feel 
wholeheartedly fulfilled. It was fulfilling me in a lot of other ways by, you know, really, I met some of the best people. I had some of the best times of my life and, and grew so much as a person through that industry. And thankfully, it didn't breed too many insecurities for me because it can definitely I mean yeah I was going to ask you about that because obviously you look at you know take yourself you're a young guy ripped you're young you've got 40,000 Instagram followers you're a full-time model how does that feel like mentally are you are you living as a confident uh person yeah so you know there's always someone doing better who's more ripped who's better looking who's doing this and that and booking more jobs and working with brands that you've always wanted to work with. Um, and don't get me wrong, it definitely um, got me down at points and it definitely um, killed some of my confidence. But I I do read and I used to read a lot of, I guess we can call them self-help books, but just um, like spiritual books. And, and you know, um, I, I realised again, quite early on, I guess, because I felt old then, but actually I feel older now. So I guess it was <laughs> early that, um, you know, I can't change who I am and I am me and I can sit and I can dwell and I can get myself down about somebody that's doing better or looking better or this, or I can try and put that to one side and use my power and that self-belief that I talk about and continue to try and push myself forward and what I learned you know is that no matter how good looking you are no matter no matter how ripped you are or you know how smart you are whatever everyone has their own insecurities and there's times where everyone looks at someone and and thinks that they their life would be better than theirs but the saying goes that you know you can never judge or until you walk a day in someone's shoes and yeah. I I decided that actually I wouldn't want to swap with anyone oh I love that I love that and it's also it's also important to to vocalize that because I think we live in a world now where everyone's lives does look perfect and it just compounds the insecurities of others so you're scrolling through Instagram and you see these ripped people who go on holiday and look happy and it's like we always need to pause and reflect on the fact that maybe they're not happy either. Definitely. And we are all on our own journeys. That yeah. That is really the truth of it. We are all on our own path. And ultimately, we can all change our direction tomorrow. We can all decide we want something else and, and we can go for it. But there are, I guess there are sayers and there are doers. And you have to really decide who and what you want to be and then do that and I knew what I wanted to do and I knew that just saying it wasn't going to get me there yeah and so I started to put the wheels in motion but it doesn't mean that I haven't my parents always encouraged me but they made me be realistic until I got to a point where I could sustain what I wanted to do you know from 13 years old I was working in Craig Morris barbershop sweeping the floors you know one of us on a Friday my other brother on a Saturday the other one on a Sunday until someone got old enough and then we switched the schedules and then I was working at Green and Co part-time and then I started luckily being able to do property management with my mum which I say property management loosely because I was (laughs) running errands you know picking up keys dropping them off cleaning shit out of a part of flats that needed it you know doing 
the dirty work, but at the same time, I was just trying to pursue my dream. Yeah. Um, and at that point, it was to be a model. I've not met your mum, but she sounds like a fucking hero. My, <laughs> you know, like we're, I think everyone says it, um, that has a good relationship with their mum that, you know, they're incredible. But my, my mum is an incredible woman. And so is my dad, don't get me wrong. But my mum has, I guess, part of, you know, she's instilled things in me that have allowed me to truly believe in myself yeah. and realise that my power is is me. Like, everyone's power is them. And I don't say it in, like, an arrogant way. It, I just truly believe that everyone's power is in their individuality and in themselves. Totally. Totally. <clears throat> and then, of course, came the gig of the lifetime, right? And then was this, was this manifested? I mean, how... how because... It, it just like it just as you've been talking like everything's just falling into place like how like what happened yeah it everything fell into place but it didn't you know it took it took not giving up because yeah. I could have you know with modeling I could have given up after the first round of agencies said no um and with ever young when I realized that I wasn't really a singer I could have been like no nah, I'm out but I decided yeah. to keep on going um yeah. Love Island was a show that was um becoming more and more popular and I had followers on Instagram again around like 50k or something and they that's how they would scout people and I remember a couple of years before I went on it they messaged me and they were like hey we think you'd be great for Love Island and honestly and truthfully I never really watched the show I don't watch that much TV unless I'm binging a series that I love um same I it, again it gave me severe anxiety thinking about that because I lead a drama free life like I I um I don't have drama in my life because it doesn't serve any purpose. You know, I have conversations, but I could just see drama and it was fucking crazy. And I was like, nah, I'm out. Yeah. Not for me. The the show started to build in popularity. People around me would always be like, Oh, you'd be great on Love Island, you should go on Love Island, this and that, and they started to get in my head. And I remember it was um 2017 I was living in Cape Town for the first time and I kind of I get it and it was Love Island was still in its second season going into its third and then um that's when people really used to say oh you should go on it and I had the most amazing time in Cape Town came back Love Island was on it was all this crazy stuff I didn't really watch it went back to Cape Town for a second time 2018 but at that point at the end of 2017 I kind of said to myself you know what like fuck it I'm gonna do this Love Island thing like I didn't tell anyone I didn't say anything but inside of me I was like if they DM me again I'm gonna go for it and I remember being in Cape Town modeling and they DM'd me just a casting director and again, I didn't tell anyone because I don't like to talk about things until they happen because, you know, a lot of everything in every industry is, you know, we can yeah. come into the world and deliver nothing. So I was just sitting on it. But I said to myself, if I audition for this, I'm going on this show. And I was afraid beyond belief. And I still didn't watch really any episodes. But I was like... I love things that scare me. I like things that get me out of my comfort zone, that allow me to grow as a person. And I came back from being away for three months um, working and I started to audition. And I remember I literally only told, I think my mum and maybe Ariane Tal, literally that was it. Um, started to audition, got 
through the first round um, and it was like becoming a bit more real and you know the first round you're in a room with all these people and you know everyone is good looking and, and everything and and again I'm kind of the smaller guy in there thinking oh okay like and there are loud guys in there you know like being all laddie in this room and I can be a lad but I'm not like you know not with people I don't know and I'm thinking that nah, it's just this this isn't my bag this isn't for me get to another audition and there are less people there and I go in the room and I'm kind of you know showing my best person um they're feeding me questions and I'm you know trying to give my best answers and go get to a third audition and you know there's even less people and then it starts to get serious and like the the producers are now calling you and chasing you and asking for different bits of information and it's becoming more and more real but they're still not giving any definitive answer it's still very loose and you might be one of and you know if you tell anyone there's no chance you're going to come on it and it's all top secret and all of this mm. and I am like having sleepless nights like shitting myself I was single I was ready to go on the show and just have fun but I also was I'm a very aware and conscious person I was aware that it's a very popular show and I'm about to you know like step in front of the nation and I don't really know what that means yeah. um, I remember sitting in a car I actually was doing, um, I don't know where I was, but I got this phone call and it was like um, a, a, a joint call with a couple of the exec producers. And they basically said, um, we like you. We want you to come on the show and be one of the like original lineup. And I'm just like, <laughs> didn't know what to do. Well, called my mum straight away. I'm like, no, it's happened. I've got it. Um, and I was excited, but fucking nervous. Let me tell you the yeah. most scared I've ever been. Because it's just, it's something so bizarre and outside of my comfort zone. And I've dated, and don't get me wrong, I dated well. I had great success. But I'm, I've always been a private person as well. So dating in front of the camera was daunting. Um, and then shit started to get real. I was knew I was going on TV with my top off, so I was training harder than ever. I was trying not to tell anyone until I told a few cl people close to me. I remember kind of word got out a little bit. There was suspicion, but yeah. it, like, yeah. and I couldn't do anything about it. Someone somewhere <laughs> said something that they weren't meant to, but whatever. Luckily, it didn't jeopardize my position. And I went into what they called at the time quarantine. Um, flu <laughs> Yeah, I know, very ironic. <laughs> I flew to Mallorca, had a chaperone, um, was there for a week, got my phone taken away from me, all of my things, didn't have any contact with the outside world. And then on the day of going into Love Island, waited in a hot tent for 12 hours from like 8am in the morning until sometime in the evening. And you know, they gave me one can of beer and I'm not a beer drinker, but I fucking downed that thing. And let me tell you, I've never felt beer coursing through my veins like it i was ready to go um and i walked in there and I do they do that on purpose do they like kind of keep you in the tent for long enough so you get pent like pent up fuck no i honestly think because it's such a big production as well and everyone needs their time to go in and film yeah. long and all of this yeah. stuff i think it's just and, and were you kept separate like you didn't know any of the other I contestants no idea our chaperone was with us 24 7 and we were all in like a couple of mile radius as of each other but we weren't allowed to go outside a specific yeah. area we had to eat at certain restaurants it was all a military operation and i just remember but fun though that must have felt so like 
fun. Was, it was fun. It was bizarre. And it was something I just, you know, it, it was so real and mm-hmm. so like, and it was happening right there and then. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, everything is out of your control besides just trying to be you. And, and how, how old were you at this point? I was 23. 20, wow. And from start to finish, from like the first audition or the, or the reply to the DM to you being in Mallorca, I think Mallorca, yeah? Like how long, how long was that process? About, about six months. Wow. It's quite a long time. Yeah quite a long time and they vet you you know it's like there it's no joke the process that you go through and you sit in a room and there are these very official people being like right is there anything that you need to tell me that would come out and I'm thinking oh my god like I don't know what you want me to say or not say and try to say things but not say too much um and you could be outed you could be outed on on day one exactly it was I knew that if I went on as a model, which I was going on as, and um, I didn't last in there, my modelling career would have um, taken a hit. And I wouldn't then go, be able to go and be an unrecognisable face working with brands as a model, but I wouldn't have had a profile big enough to work with brands as a recognisable face. I would have been in this cusp. But as if we're going back to previous conversations, I was ready to show people who I was and that, yeah, I was a model, but I was more than that. And that was my opportunity to do that because I also realized that I don't necessarily think I'm like a a lot of the people that have gone on in previous years. And I wanted to showcase who I was, that I was, you know, a young guy who could look and and be this but actually you know have have a a sensitive uh, and honest uh, a spiritual side to him and don't get me wrong elements were overplayed and um and they you know i always say everyone has to have a character in that show Mm. Um, you and no two characters can be the same and everyone's given given a role whether it's fully true to form or not it is picked up on elements are picked up on and that's what's um heightened and elevated so did um, you play up to that role or or is that just how they edited I was, it i was fresh off a plane from south africa living hippie life <laughs> hippie life partying working freedom like i had never felt it in my life you know wearing pashmina on the beach and dancing until the sunrise you know i i at that point i believed i was a hippie and they saw that and they grabbed it and they fed they 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 fed me to that if that makes sense because mm. i was so you know just blasé about it i didn't realize what they were doing and again i don't hold any um resentment towards anything to do with it because that was who i was at the time and i was playing up to it because that's that's what i was um mm. And I'm grateful that I did, to be honest, because even though that I've kind of, I think I I ran away from it after for about a year, because I guess without realising it, you know, the, the effects of people believing that they know you and thinking that you're this, you know, spiritual tree-hugging person takes its toll on you when, you know, I didn't, I didn't define myself as that. So how can you? But then I 
had to lose myself to find myself. And again, I come back to this idea because you you had gone on to what was probably the most popular show in the UK. You would you you know anyone knows certainly in your series. I'm, I'm not sure how successful it is anymore. But like you you get you get overnight fame. Like you literally became famous overnight. Oh, like overnight celebrity, quite literally. I don't know how many. Follow- I I actually remember. Obviously, I watched your series, but you went in with I think the most amount of followers in yeah. your year, and you and you came out with I don't know how many followers did you come out with? Like it, you must have logged onto Instagram, being like, "What the fuck?" It was wild. It was absolutely crazy. But I think you know the followers were just. It was just you would refresh, and it would be like thousands here and thousands there, and comments and. Just like it was unimaginable trying to even grasp and get control of that. There was just no hope. Even the WhatsApp messages that I received from people that I knew, you know, anyone that I had ever met that I worked with that I'd know had sent me a message. And I am forever grateful for those messages. But I never got through them. If I scroll down far enough, I'll probably find messages from when I came out from people that I just couldn't reply to because it was so overwhelming. Bear in mind, my journey in there was overwhelming in itself. And, yeah. it was, you know, I went in there thinking, oh, this is going to be a bit of a walk in the park. I'm going to find someone that, you know, I vibe with that we get each other on a level and, you know, we'll breeze through this. It was so far from what I thought it was going to be in terms of that. Um, it was it was hard and it was draining. And it was like, I... I can be on when I need to be on, you know, and I can show up for the camera and I can do this stuff. But being on 24-7 takes its toll and it is draining when you're around people that don't know how or don't switch off. And I, I loved it. It was one of the best experiences and it opened up so many things. But even just the element of dating, you know, I thought I'd couple up with one girl and that'll be it. Or little did I know how turbulent my journey in there was going to be in every which aspect yeah and I think I I went in there and the drama just found me until pretty much the day I left and and this is kind of where where I kind of struggle with Love Island because I I struggle with it as a concept as as a contract you know I'm a gay guy you know even I watched the opening episode the other night and it's still the the girls are stepping forward for the guys it's just so it yeah it's so just stereotypical so sexist it's so degrading um and and I struggle with I struggle with the you know people doing things that they may not necessarily do in ordinary lives and the show's moved on a lot since you were in it and then you just have to it's like big brother like ultimately big brother was huge i always wanted to be on big brother like, i was like desperate but like as as it got to series 17 or whatever i was like nah like i can't do that because everyone's doing it for the wrong reasons 100 percent. and there was an element of authenticity in my year and 100 yeah, I, I like people don't believe it but i never watched the show but i just thought why the fuck not? You know, as I said, I always took every opportunity. So why wasn't I going to run with this one? And I went on there and I thought, let's have a bit of fun with it and see what happens. And worst case, it's a, you know, it's a life experience. And um, I, I think the only thing that everyone has to remember is everyone that goes on there chooses to go in there. They choose to put themselves in that situation. And if by now you're going in and you're pretending like, 
you don't know what it's going to come with, then you're fine. But, you know, that's nothing to be ashamed of. I knew what it could potentially come with as well. And that was exciting as well 100%. as the opportunity, as well as potentially walking out with a girlfriend. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was all exciting. The whole 365 experience of it. So in, in the, in the months and years after, after Love Island, kind of how did you reset and then re-navigate what you were going to do next? Cause I guess you, you had a modeling career, you did a bit of singing, you've done a bit of performing, uh, you have this sphere of influence because you already had a following and now you've even got a bigger following. So I guess you had uh, so many options open to you. How did you decide what you're going to do next? I, I didn't and I didn't know. And for the first year I was running around like fucking headless chicken um from events to brand deals to morning shows to parties to trying to f- see my family and my true friends whilst also trying to keep this network of people and this world that I was now thrusted into and I had people telling me the way that I should be and the way that I should dress in order to work with this brand and that brand and and truthfully I fully lost myself within that and not that I became you know crazy and reckless but I lost my identity I was people were saying oh you're that super spiritual guy people I would meet would then go and say oh you know what like oh you're a lot cooler than I thought you were on Love Island or oh you're you're actually normal and I was like well what the fuck did you see and I've never watched the show back I've seen clips but I've never watched my season because for what it's worth I had an amazing experience and I know that what I experienced wasn't necessarily the everything that the viewers saw and I don't want to tarnish my idea of how it was and and what happened in there Um, but I ran away from my spirituality and my self-belief and I was put in these clothes that just weren't me and working with brands that didn't align with myself and I got to a point where I just I remember it was about a year, a year and a half after where I was like, you know, I, I don't want it to be like this. You know, I want longevity. I want to have a, a purpose and to, you know, have a message that I, I, I portray and just have some depth to what I'm doing. And so I then um, made some changes and realized it more in myself and made the decision that I wasn't going to allow people to just tell me what to do and I was going to do it or I wasn't I knew who I was up until the point I went on Love Island and then how can I allow people to tell me who I am after you know it just didn't it just didn't work for me and so I started to make those changes um I changed a few things around me and got people around me that believed in me for me and not their idea of what I wanted or what they wanted me to do and I went on a bit of a journey and and came out the other end so much better for it and it's funny because I was sat in I've just been away with Ariel and Talon you know I was we were able to go away together and I was taking them to this retreat and I sat there and I said to them you know I think I'm enjoying life now and the fruits of my labor and my hard work more so than the first year that I came out of Love Island. But people would have definitely seen it was the other way around. But because everything had settled, you know, like people know me and yeah, they recognize me, but it's a it's a more settled version and I'm able to regain my authenticity and and 
modeling took a hit and now it's coming back and you know I I've found my love for fitness again and I do things in that space and you know I found I've got a girlfriend who's incredible and I'm in love with and we have a connection and I'm able to travel and and just kind of shake off a bit of that love island brand that people label yeah. with without realizing and and it's it's a hard brand and a hard brush to be tarnished with mm. do you think do you think it's just a matter of time do these things just take time if you've done a show as big as love island maybe it's just a case of waiting a few years and yeah and but i loved it when i was in the thick of it as well you know yeah. it was just, but you can't run with that forever and i had to then relearn what else defined me you know what else makes you you besides a show that you've been on for a month where you were dating a bunch of girls and then left you know there, because because there was a lot more yeah there was a lot more to me before that but i just yeah. had to find it again and dig deep and then you and then you did a couple of other bits and pieces quite high profile things you did um x factor and yeah. you did a couple of dating shows I came off of love island and said i'd never do another dating show again <laughs> yeah and then you did another dating show i did celebs go dating no and they you know i love tv i love showcasing who i am and being yeah. able to like go in there and try and be as authentic as possible and Again, if something is going to allow me to experience something different in life and have an opportunity that I haven't had before, then... Why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? And, and I'll be there doing it. 100%. Backing you all the way. But then, but then you did find your calling, and I think this is your calling because it's something that has been a constant thread in your whole life, which is kind of health and fitness, spirituality, mindset. Yes. And you've launched a new business. When did, when did you launch your business? I launched Empower um, at in the height of the first lockdown, and it was very unsuccessful. Very, yeah. Which okay. wasn't that, expecting you to say that. No. I based it off of um, a model that I saw, and it was really difficult. And I didn't get the um, the clientele that I wanted, and it didn't go as well as I hoped for, really. And then. I fell out of my love. I lost my passion for fitness and it became a chore and I didn't really enjoy it. And then I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to keep fitness as my thing that I love. And I stopped in power because lockdown was ending and I wasn't needing to do live workouts anymore because people were living their life again and working and stuff like that. And then I got an opportunity to rebrand and restructure the way that I can coach people and it's not me taking a workout every morning to an audience of people it's me working with someone to delve a bit deeper and create plans and programs that are tailored to them and provide the support and and the lessons necessary but it means that I still have my time for fitness fitness for me is like just as big of a mental thing as it is a physical and it keeps me it's my form of meditation yeah you know, my hour a day where I switch off I don't think about anything else and I fully just like have no thoughts and I think that besides getting through what the task at hand um and now Empower 2.0 as I like to call it has been going for six months and is growing and going better than I ever expected but there was a point where I was ready to shut it down and never 
do anything in fitness again. And again, I didn't, I guess I didn't give up and now I'm reaping the rewards of that. Yeah, I was just about to say, again, it's the common thread coming back again. You just were determined to, to make a success of it. And, and, you, and you, you could have done a number of things. You could have rebranded it, called it something else, you know, shut down that Instagram account, take it to a website, but you didn't. You just persevered and you changed the model. I, based on what you were saying, are you saying you basically tried to launch a, a one-to-many fitness thing yeah. and now it's a one-to-one? Yeah, basically I tried to have like um, a subscription for um, a really low price where you come on and I'm taking a workout and you can join us on a timetable and whatever. Yeah. But it was grueling for um, the the return in it. And, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't fun. I was on my balcony in the freezing cold trying to take a workout for five people that I don't mm. know if they were there because I couldn't see them. They could just see me. And it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't fun. And now I work with... Um, more specific people that want my help um, and want to want want me to help them. And you know, fitness is one of a few pillars of what I like to do. You know, I don't want to be defined by anything, yeah. um, and I don't feel I need to be. I love fitness. Empower is uh, a side brand that I created that I at the moment is um, taking up a lot of my time and is growing but the TV stuff is still what I want to do and continue to do. The modeling is what I want to do. And, you know, just try and spread a positive, real message on yeah. through all these different channels. I love that. I love that. And it comes back to that multi-hyphenated approach, which I think is, you know, what a lot of people our age I mean you're slightly younger significantly younger than me but it's what young people have to do now like there's no career forever and, and it's actually smart because even your photography like you've got a photography account I think it's amazing which I love by the way and you're so talented there's stuff in that yeah like I just when I find something that I love I try and but there, there is a fine line between when you do something you love and you try and turn it into a business it can very quickly go wrong and it yeah. turns into a chore but you, there, there's ways that I'm still discovering of how to do it that, you know, f- makes you feel fulfilled. And something that I learned, you know, I've, I've had a couple of life coaches over the course of three years. I've spoken to people. I've had a, you know, a spiritual coach, these kind of stuff to help me really get back to who I am. But yeah. is that I have to have a day where I feel accomplished and fulfilled by the end of the day. If I don't do that, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm anxious and I'm twitchy and I, and I just don't feel good. And I don't, and I, I guess I'm lucky in a sense, you know, I don't lead a regular nine to five, but my days still consist of having to have things that I do, that I complete, that I, that make me feel like I am one step closer to my end goal. Yeah. But I don't know what that end goal is, but it is continuing to work and push forward and, and try new things but that in itself is so empowering you know the fact that you don't have a career plan or an end goal I think is what is so exciting about life and that's what will open so many more doors for you for sure you know I have an idea of where I want to go next and and I I'm, run with it I'm quietly working towards that in my own way but if and I'm sure we'll see it plan, soon as well something else something else comes up and that's what I've learned is that you know we can't pave out this path and set it in stone because 
it is forever changing and, and, you know, change again, change is inevitable and we either decide to evolve with it and grow from it or it breaks us down and it leaves us on the side. Absolutely. Change is the only constant. Yeah. Uh, So that was amazing. Uh, I've learned so much about you that I thought I knew you quite well, but I learned a lot more. Um, One of the things that I ask all my podcast guests to do is to write a little letter to their younger self or provide some advice to their younger self. I mean, you've given us um, a sneak peek of what that might be. But if you were talking to a younger Eyal today, what would you say to him? It's, um, It's a lot of, I think, what we've spoken about. But it's like, you know, don't get caught up on everything else around you. Um, remember your power and know your power and don't give up, you know, keep on trying and keep on, you know, when a door doesn't open, go to the next door and just find, find what you love and stay true to yourself. Oh, you know, stay true to yourself above everything and, and trust, trust in the process and trust the universe because it's a powerful thing. And what a beautiful way to end the podcast. Thank you so much. That was so inspiring, um, so insightful. And I'm sure you've inspired so many people listening. So thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And thank you you for having a nice, honest conversation because it was, it's nice to do one of these and it just be all open and, and real. That's it. It's all about true and open and honest conversations. And um, yeah, really, really appreciate your time. Hopefully I'll see you and Benji outside Joe and the Juice. Oh, yes, you will. The only place <laughs> I see you. And um, yeah, all the very best. Uh, enjoy the rest well. of your weekend. I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. Bye, mate. Bye, mate. Wow, what a guy. Thank you so much, Eyal, for sharing your incredible words of wisdom with me. It was great to sit down with you. And thank you once again for taking the time out of your busy schedule. If you enjoy this show, please head over to Apple Podcasts if you're not already and kindly leave me a five-star review. It really helps grow the podcast and helps others find the podcast way more easily. Until next time, take care and I'll see you soon.